0: The show you need to get what you desire by avoiding the mistakes made by others before you. Learn the stories and journeys of what success looks like to find the freedom you deserve while thriving with your best life. And now I present to you the one, the only Rapid Results with Andrew Wise. All right, welcome back to another episode of Rapid Results with Andrew Weiss. We have a spectacular guest today. I am more than excited and honored to bring on the wonderful Amber Vilhauer. And those don't know about how incredible Amber is, a little bit about her. Amber is an award-winning digital marketing strategist who supports authors, speakers, coaches. To establish a powerful integrated online presence that gets results and empowers them to make a difference in their industry. She supports entrepreneurs through branding and website development, online marketing and live streaming services, plus the number one bestseller book launches. And another thing about Amber as well, she was actually recognized as the female entrepreneur of the year at the 18th annual Stevie Awards for Women in Business and the four- at the 14th annual. 2021 woman in business in the professions world awards. So very recent. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the biggest things I like about Amber as well, is if you go to her and in her about page, her number one priority is to elevate every experience. And so with that said, Amber, welcome.
1: Thanks, Andrew. It's really cool to be here because 15 years in this field, in the online world, and, you know, as you were, you know, uh, introducing me, just thinking about all of the clients and all of the emails and all of the projects to get to this moment, it's, uh, it's special to look back. So thanks for the opportunity.
0: Oh, of course. Yes. And, I know even though the show is called Rapid Results, I I know that uh, people don't realize that it takes some time to get to where you are.
1: (laughs) 10 years to be an overnight success, everyone.
0: (laughs) Funny how that works. Yes, exactly. And uh, yeah, we're excited to learn from you today. And I know the purpose of Rapid Results is that I'm sure during those 10 years, you learn some things going, gosh, I wish I knew that earlier. I wish uh, I didn't make this mistake. And so being able to help others in their journey and uh, get them to where they want to go and hopefully be as cool as you someday. So we'll see. (laughs) Thank you. Of course. So starting from the beginning, Amber, we want to know, like uh, going back in time here, uh, Mm -hmm. tell us about the town you grew up in and what were some of the first things you were proud of just as a little kid?
1: Oh, well, I grew up in Tucson, Arizona, and I live in Denver, Colorado now. And, you know, I it felt like a pretty normal upbringing, even though I was raised by a single mom, I had a great relationship with my dad. My older sister was definitely the star child. And so she was the one getting straight A's in school, and she was actually Miss Teen Arizona. And so, you know, she very much took up the room when she was in any room. And I mentioned this because for me, I sort of became the quiet one, the reserved one, the observer. And this really set the tone for a lot of what's helped me in my career today. But back then, I was not the strong start that I felt like she was. But along the way, I kind of carved my own path and I got into sports. And that's probably where I was shining the most And so when I was in, you know, eighth grade, I was MVP on the softball team. I did volleyball and baton and Tucson girls chorus. And then I learned about karate, Kenpo karate when I was in high school. And that really, in many ways, feels like it saved my life back then. I got all the way up to a brown belt. And then I was just sort of like, I got what I needed out of it. And I moved forward. I did graduate with honors and high school, uh, senior year, there was this big assembly, big auditorium, and I won the most improved student award. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> how do you? How not do you not that the best improved? award, but it was an award, <laughs>
1: nonetheless, you know? <laughs> so a little bit about me, yeah.
0: Interesting. And, and I'm curious, like, did you figure out, do you, you feel like it was advantageous to be the, the listener out of the two of you, or it's just kind of how it it, it evolved essentially, or was that like a strategy that you kind of knew early on? Like, okay, if she's going to be no. the star. I want to find my own path in a different way.
1: Thing. No, it actually brought great suffering. <laughs>
0: oh, no. um,
1: well, just because, you know, you struggle as a kid, you don't really know. Right. So you start to get insecure about yourself or you try to assert yourself in different ways. And it's just, you know, Everybody has a hard time growing up in one way or another. But man, if it's not my superpower now, you know, I really learned listening skills that most people don't have. And it's actually one of my greatest strengths right now is I know people very, very well, very quickly too. Not in like a creepy way, but in a way that I, I use that superpower for good to really create connection with people and make them feel safe. And I validate them and help them on their journey to get their message out to the world. So it maybe was a confusing start in some ways, but it had a really beautiful ending.
0: I love that. And if you don't mind asking, what's the relationship with you and your your sister now?
1: Well, we're just very different people. And so I would say it's healthy, but we're not very close. And so I feel like we have come a long way in like getting to know each other, understanding each other. We do have some commonalities, of course, and in, in our the ways that we grew up and the way that we saw the world, of course. But we're just very different people in very different lives. She lives out in California. Um, she's also an entrepreneur, but that wasn't oh. kind of her start. She went out to California to learn she wanted to be a Hollywood actress and a singer. And it was just a tough, toxic place to be. And um, but then she kind of healed from that and went into entrepreneurship. And now she's a very successful award-winning entrepreneur herself. And so you know, we're both just very strong, independent women, and we're <laughs> we're walking the path, you know, yeah. that's great.
0: I love that. I love that. So entrepreneur family, that's definitely badass. And I'm sure the audience wants to know too. So you learn at a young age how to get through suffering, how to turn it into a superpower, which is super awesome. So how did you know when you wanted to be an entrepreneur in the first place?
1: I don't have a great answer for this. It's, (laughs) it's, uh, it's, It's kind of funny, actually. So back in about 2006... Well, let me say, and when I was 18, I sold Cutco Cutlery. This was sort of like my introduction to semi-entrepreneurship. So I was an independent contractor. I sold high-quality kitchenware to housewives. It felt like an easy job because the product was so awesome. I was fast-tracked in management. I was speaking on stages. I was breaking national records. I was 20. I never knew that that was possible for me because I was the shy, awkward one in high school. But this job just opened me up in this way. I didn't consider myself an entrepreneur though, because it just felt like I was a part of this big organization. After about five years, I left and I found myself working independently full-time though for a couple here in Denver that were putting on this event, teaching entrepreneurs how to get capital into their business and how to market online. But again, back in 2005, 2006, it's like, what's a blog? What's this (laughs) online world you're speaking of? But some of the greatest internet marketing experts of all time came and spoke at that event and I became friends with the speakers. I was observing the content and I thought, well, this sounds awesome. This sounds challenging. I'll never get bored with this. So I went home and I taught myself code. Mm. I built my own website. I learned about SEO and content writing and social media and webinars and affiliate programs and funnels and all the things I just taught myself. I implemented to see what was working. And along the way, this woman from Canada reached out to me and she said, could you come manage my website? We're doing a, a like a guest blogging website called conscious divas. And I said, Uh, yes, I guess. Like it was so (laughs) random. This was not my plan. That's why I kind of chuckled when you asked me the question. (laughs) And so then somebody else reached out to me and then somebody else reached out to me. Mm -hmm. And along the way, a friend said, you should probably like register an LLC for that. And I said, what's that? like, where do you get one of those? What, what are you even talking about? This is how much I knew about starting a business. I didn't even know what an LLC was. So not the world's most flattering story, Andrew, <laughs> but I figured it out. I went to the state website. I registered an LLC and there on the field was, what's your business name? And I was like, business name, gosh, this feels f- like formal. I-, I don't know. I'm not even starting a business, am I? And so I was pacing around in my, <laughs> in my kitchen and you know, thinking like, this feels really important. What should the business name be? And I thought of my mom. And growing up, my mom used to say all the time, no guts, no glory. And so I thought, okay, NGNG, no guts, no glory. <laughs> Enterprises, that sounds great. So I threw it on there and just moved on. And it wasn't until years later, where I really realized like, maybe I'm onto something here. Maybe this is a business and maybe I could take it even more seriously. And at this point, we were selling hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, but it always kind of felt like a stepping stone to something else that I was supposed to be doing in my life. And it just took me a while, I think, to see how divine and brilliant it was that this company was born to serve people that are trying to heal humanity, You know, I mean, I'm working with conscious thought leaders and authors and speakers and people that are doing amazing things in the world. And I get to help them build their platform online to get that message out. I get to be a part of their healing journey and validate them. And it's like, that is the coolest job on earth. I just, I'm convinced of it. So anyway, that was the start. It was kind of a random one. (laughs)
0: Well, and I uh, I think I, I got pitched to do Cutco when I was in high school or college. And, you know, it, it's tough because uh, it means you had to go knocking on doors unless you had some kind of uh, secret hack system. Like, would you like pay friends to set up an appointment with with their parents or something? Or like what I'm trying to say is being successful in Cutco at 20 years old is a, is a big deal. Like, I think it's like only like 1% of people who get involved with that can even pull that off. And so was that one of the biggest? Uh, so I guess... What was that confidence booster in relation to your entrepreneurship endeavor? Because to me, I'm like, wow, that's incredible. Like, if you could sell knives with Cutco, you should be able to do anything. <laughs> but what was, what was your perspective on that?
1: Well, I was lucky because the product sells itself, in my opinion. I mean, it's mm-hmm. an incredible product. The way that they have built the in-home demonstrations, it just it felt easy if I were selling something I couldn't believe in or that broke down all the time, it would be a very different story. So you have to have a product that you believe in if you're going to be a successful entrepreneur. But that wasn't even what got to me. I remember sitting in training and they do three full days of training. It's intense and you're young and it's like your attention span isn't quite there and you don't really know what you just signed up for. And it's kind of like, you know, you're all up in your head about it. (laughs) But the trainer said there are three types of people in the world. There's the person who's the fence sitter. They sit on the fence and they watch everybody else to see if it's safe. They observe first. Then there's the person that dips their pinky toe in the pool, you know, to see what the temperature's like, you know, tries to build confidence that way. And then there's the person that just cannonballs it right in and jumps in with both feet. And she asked me that day, you know, and everybody else There was a hundred kids in that room, Andrew. And she said, what type of person are you going to be? And for whatever reason that blew my mind that day. And I just thought, what type of person am I going to be in this world? You know, I don't want to be the guy that sits on the fence and I don't want to be the girl that just puts a pinky toe in and is afraid. No guts, no glory. I'm jumping in with both feet. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Which is what I did. So I don't think that there was ever this moment of fear or even can I? It was just do what they tell you to do and be all in with it, which is what happened. And after my first weekend, I ended up being one of the top sales reps in my whole training class. And I had no idea. I walked in on Monday and everybody's clapping. And I'm like, who are they clapping for? I mean, I was the nobody up to that point in my life, at least in my my perspective. And so now I'm getting recognized by all of these people. I knew that felt really good. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, well, I'll just keep doing what they tell me and I'll be all in with it. And I finished number two in my office that summer out of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids that went through that summer. And I was on the fast track to management after that. And I never really looked back. But I do think there's something about you have to make the choice for you first. And it has to stick in here first because then you could have the world's best product, the world's best training, the world's best support system, the world's best everything, and you're still not going to be successful with it. So it really does come in here. And that's what I think happened to me.
0: That is an incredible story, Amber. And just, you know, I'm taking little uh, timestamps on the notepad <laughs> too and taking little notes. So I'm not uh, just, uh, this no, is it's amazing. I'm excited to do like the highlight clips of this afterwards. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and obviously this is its own podcast in itself, but I'm, I'm curious, What do you think prevents most people from doing that cannonball method? Because you're exhibit A that like, hey, the cannonball method works. Like, uh, why can't we all be like Ron Burgundy and say cannonball and just just jump all in? And so I guess, uh, do you feel like people never find what's worth cannonballing into? Do you think they're just too afraid of failure? Curious your thoughts on that.
1: I think that humans are afraid of change. Period. Mm -hmm. End of story. That's it. We are scared to death of change. Even, you know, intellectually, we might know that it could be a positive change on the other side, but we're innately scared of change. And I'm really fascinated by nature because I think that nature teaches us like the secrets to success. And when I look out at nature, especially if you live in Denver, Colorado, it's constantly changing. It's kind of the running joke of the town. One minute it's bright and sunny and warm out; and the next minute it's snowing like crazy, and then 20 minutes later the snow is melted and it's a bright sunny day again. Or then there's a big windstorm that blows in. It's just constantly changing. The weather is always the weather is always wrong, like on the weather apps. <laughs> And I really think that that is what we should be looking to in our own lives is like, it's always going to change. So why do we cling so tightly to whatever is in the moment? And I do the same thing. I'm not like, I'm not like a change junkie. I'm human. I'm like, I'm terrified of change. Just yesterday, I found out that my son got accepted to a school. He's five and it's a school that we were hoping he could get into, but yeah, totally positive, right? I immediately was like, oh my God, I started freaking out, Andrew, because this means I'm going to have to move and then my work schedule is going to change. And then what is that going to mean? And da 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 da. And your mind just catastrophizes in some ways. And I was talking to a, a client this morning and he said, this sounds like a bad move. And I said, or maybe it's the best move of my life. Mm-hmm. We don't know because we don't know what's going to happen on the other side, right? Sure, I could move and it could be awful, right? Or I could move and it could be the best thing I never could have imagined how amazing it could be. Mm -hmm. The challenge is that we just don't know. So we get afraid. And when we look back and we, especially a lot of times when we're looking back in our childhood, change was a bad thing, but change was a bad thing because we didn't have the coping mechanisms. We didn't have the mental development to understand what was happening or have an adult like perspective on it. So now we become victimized and it's scary. And then we get smaller in our lifetimes. So what I think, Andrew, is we need to really just accept that change is constant. That's number one. And then Mm -hmm. number two is, do we really have to be afraid of that? Because you are a grown-ass man, and I am a grown-ass woman, and we have wisdom and tools and support networks. We can ask for help now in ways that we didn't know how to when we were kids. So actually... It's safer now because we are equipped with those tools and that wisdom and that support network, in which case maybe change isn't something to be so afraid of. And if we don't have to be afraid of it, then why not jump in with both feet in everything in life? If you want to go date that girl, go ask her on that date. You want to get that promotion? You stand up for yourself and ask for that promotion. Something feels off in your body? Go change it. Start working out. Hire a personal trainer jump in with both feet and lean in and watch all of like the magic unfold in your life in the most powerful of ways. It's amazing.
0: I love that. I love that. And yeah, I think I read a quote one time too. It says, you don't regret the things you do in life. You regret the things that you don't do. And so being able to just go all in and I like what you said too, that, uh, you know, when we're kids, you know, we think of change as scary and like, you know, you're, you're scared to drive the new car for the first time to play the piano for the first time to, (laughs) to do all these things. And then I will say one of the best books I read is, is grit by Angela Duckworth. Mm -hmm. And she teaches you to have the confidence that just says like, give yourself some time to learn it and you will learn it essentially. So it's like being okay, messing up at first and get messy with the change essentially.
1: Yep. Pure wisdom. I love
0: it. <laughs> and so, go, going back in time again, I mean, it sounds like yeah, you you, you struggled a lot as a, as a kid with the family dynamics, and then once you hit entrepreneurship, it sounds like everything was just cruise sailing for you. Oh, I'm I'm dominating at Cutco. I'm dominating at this website business. Sounds like once you press the entrepreneurship button, it was just like here you go, Amber, you can have everything you want. Is, is that <laughs> is that what happened? <laughs> uh,
1: yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, I feel like when I discovered entrepreneurship, I got to know myself in ways that I was only searching for previously, you know, cause as a kid, we don't exactly know where our place is, what is our purpose? Where do we belong? Where's our tribe? All of those things. Right. So entrepreneurship, like it is my jam for sure. I was born to be an entrepreneur. I'm awesome at it. I love it. It's just, it's Right. But, you know, this reminds me a little bit of social media because we look at people and we're like, wow, they have it all. It's Mm -hmm. such BS. The grass is not greener on the other side. Okay, we are all human. We all have our baggage. We all have issues and challenges. And I've had some really significant personal challenges, you know, in my life. It's just that I know that. I guess I'm old enough now to know that when there are challenges present as excruciating and lonely and depressing and hurtful as it is, I know that there are so many gifts in that experience. And maybe it's going to take me a little while to understand what those gifts are. Maybe it takes me the rest of my life to understand what those gifts are, but there are always gifts in those painful moments. And so it's kind of like at this point, like, well, okay, here's the next bang, the, the next tsunami. And you also start to have confidence that, you know, you've survived 100% of the bad days that you've had.
0: Hmm. I like that quote. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I didn't make it up. I stole it from Robin Arzon. But in, in her <laughs> masterclass on mental strength, it's amazing. I had my whole company watch it in January, actually. And so you did survive 100% of the bad days and you're here now, you're a fighter. So just keep going like keep walking the path. It all is taking you someplace beautiful, not to be hokey, but it's true. You know, the more you lean into those painful moments, the stronger you become, the more insightful you become, the more wise and insightful and cool you become and unique and rare and awesome in so many ways. That's the potential, but you have to lean into the hard stuff to get there.
0: Wow. And I know, that uh you know in my last episode i actually talked with my father who who's also an entrepreneur and yeah. we talked uh, a lot about uh, the importance of positivity and i know that uh we all know about the negative Nancy's in the world and uh i told him that uh there's a quote i like i think it was by a famous uh, tennis player where he says i don't know if positive attitude works but a negative attitude does and what i take from that is like if you have a negative attitude like no matter what you're going to go down like a dark rabbit hole it's going to get bad and like yes, the pessimists will always mock the optimist kind of thing. You mentioned the importance of yeah having that, I guess, twist of perspective that once something bad happens to you, you go, okay, well, actually it led to this, or I was able to allow this um, in, a, in a good, positive way. So I'm curious for those who maybe are pessimists and they want to be optimists, how do you go about um, when something awful or terrible happens to you, like being able to take the good from it?
1: That's a great question, Andrew, and never been asked that question. I don't know that I've ever thought about it, but the answer came down pretty strongly to me just now. And that is, I guess I view people that are more pessimistic or, you know, just more negative or having a hard time as people that don't know how to cope with the pain that they feel. Think about that for a moment. Like if I don't know how to cope with the pain that I feel, I'm going to create a mask around it and I'm going to be tough and I'm going to point the finger, judgment, shame, avoidance, right? Bitterness, resentment. I'm going to create this massive wall. But people who are optimistic, these people are more resilient. They have learned how to cope with their own pain. And something that I'm really fascinated with is like, how can I remain open? because I'm all about human connection. And in order to really connect with somebody, you have to be open to it. Right. But being open is scary. Right. It's like standing naked. It's like your skin was just burned off and the slightest breeze, you can feel it. It affects you. Right. So people have this like fear around being open because we don't want to experience pain. But when you're open, you can have the most mind-blowing connection with people and it can be so much fun. So I feel like resiliency and being open and connecting, which creates positivity, it's all just you've learned how to cope with the pain in life because everybody has it. Mm -hmm. Everybody has some horrific tragedy that has happened to them at some point in their lives, everybody. and But why do some people cope with it better than others? And if you're somebody listening, and you're like, she's just so full of it, I can't stand this girl. And you're feeling all negative about whatever I'm saying, maybe then, you know, look at yourself deep down and think like, what am I holding on to? Is there pain? Is there an armor that I have built up? And if you don't know how to cope with pain, it's okay. Awareness is the first step to changing any habit, right? But now we know what questions to ask. And now we can go out and seek help and gain the tools and gain the wisdom and gain the resiliency so that we do know how to cope with pain and bitterness and resentment and rejection and depression and all of the things that are this human experience and then get on the other side of it, knowing that it doesn't matter what happens to me because I'm still going to be okay. I'm going to get up and I'm going to keep going because that's just who I am. Right. I think that's there's maybe a lesson in there for people.
0: Oh, there's many lessons in there. <laughs> <I want. laughs> You're full of lessons, Amber. Yes.
1: <laughs> I must have gone through some dark days. Huh, then, Andrew?
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a quotes guy in case you haven't noticed yet. And uh, yeah, that's great. I like uh, Winston Churchill. I think he's the one who says that you have to go through hell to get to heaven. And I think, uh, I think it was Vince Lombardi says it's not uh, how many times you get knocked down, it's how many times you get back up again. And it, it sounds yep. like uh, you've been knocked down a few times, but you're like, uh-uh, I'm not going <laughs> to let that hold me back. So it's, it's very, very inspiring. Thank you. And and I'm curious too, so going back to your, your entrepreneurship journey, you brought up the fact of people who they, they see you and they're like who's this Amber girl, like, I can't handle her kind of thing, too happy, too optimistic, like, too genuine, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, I feel like that is another thing that prevents people from doing these cannonballs is that they're too afraid of of the haters and the trolls. And I know a lot of people say, okay, well, if you don't have haters and trolls, that means you're doing something wrong, because it means you're trying to please everybody and you can't please everybody. But you also brought up the fact that like, oh, well, I also know that if I have a hater and troll, that's on them, not on me. And so I'm curious if you can dive more, more into that.
1: Yes, I can. So a couple things are coming to mind. One is the first time somebody was mean to me online. And, you know, I am very genuine that that's real. There's a lot of people that that's their armor is to be authentic, right? And it's the buzzword, but like, that genuinely is me. I have (laughs) conditioned (laughs) that muscle and conditioned it and conditioned it and conditioned it to be who I am today. So it was a lot of hard work. It didn't just come naturally. It was a choice that I made. And so I'm always like putting out this, like you can do it type content. Um, And it's not, it's not like fluffy content either. There's, there's a depth to it. There's a spirituality to it. There's um, science behind it. I'm very logical as well. Not just a fluffy thinker. Um, Anyway, so I sent out this newsletter one time and this woman wrote back and she's like, are you kidding me? It's just like, this just sounds like a bunch of canned crap. Who are you? Like some cheerleader? Like, that's not what we need. We need blah, blah, whatever she said. And it was like this moment of truth for me, Andrew, where I was like, wow, that hurt my feelings. And like, what's the gift in this? And, you know, I pause when something like that happens. I get very still and I get very quiet. I don't react right away. And I just sit and I think, what is the truth of how I really feel about this? And what I came up with is, oh, she's just not my people. She's she doesn't get it that's fine. That's okay. And so I wrote her back and I said, gosh, you know what? Thank you for your bravery and for being honest with me. Like that takes a lot of courage to tell somebody how you feel. And I really appreciate that. And you know what it points to that? You're just not the audience that I'm trying to speak to. And that's okay. I have a tremendous amount of value that I could give to you. But if the way I give that value is off-putting to you, then I would recommend you unsubscribe and it's okay. But if you feel like you can overcome me being a cheerleader to get to the good stuff of what I'm here to deliver, then please know that you're welcome here. This woman was floored, absolutely (laughs) floored that that was my response. She came back and apologized. And she said, Oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I feel terrible about this. She said, I've just been in a funk in my life lately. And you know, your email made me realize that I've just been mean to people. I go to these blogs and these da-da-da-da-da. And I'm just oh I'm mean. And it's because I'm unhappy and I'm really sorry. I didn't know that this that you were so genuine. I then, of course, showered that woman with praise and love. And like, you are so amazing. And thank you. Then what I did is I turned this into a blog post that is on Google right now. Just Google canned crap and my name and you'll see it. (laughs) Uh, And, I immediately, I I omitted her name, of course, but I put my email, her email, my email, her email, the beautiful lesson at the end of all of this. I blasted it out through social media, my email channels, my clients. I put that thing everywhere, Andrew, because it is a beautiful lesson that if you get negativity, there's not your people. You don't have to attach to that personally And to come from love, right? Because I could have been like, you're full of canned crap. (laughs) You know, like reactive and escalating it. And it could have been explosive, right? Instead, you can take, just ground yourself. What's the truth here? Okay. And move forward with kindness, right? The other thing that comes up, kind of a similar example is Gary Vaynerchuk. I literally just saw a video from him yesterday on this. And he said, you know, when a troll comes in and says, I hate you, Gary V I don't care because they don't know who I am.
0: Mm. They don't
1: know. They're just making judgments and assumptions. Right. And that's okay. I say the F word. I like the Patriots. I do this. Like, yeah, there's going to be people that disagree with that. And that's fine. I don't care. But you guys, and he's talking to his friends that were guest hosting this episode. He said, now, if one of you didn't like me or felt this way, like, it would really hurt because you do know who I am. You do know my values and the truth. And I just thought, now that's really interesting, really, really interesting. So whatever way that you need to look at it is fine. But for me, I know the truth of my heart. And if you think that I'm some bad person Or whatever you might think, it's not true because I know how much I serve others and how much I care so deeply and personally, probably to a fault about every little detail of everybody's experience of me because I want it to be a positive one. I want to lead by example. So, you know, if you had anything other than the highest and best to say, then it's just because you don't know me or you're not my people and that's okay too, you know diversity is important, the yin and the yang, right? It creates ultimate balance in the world.
0: Yeah, it makes so much sense. And props to you for even even responding to that person in the first place. I I know like... uh,
1: (laughs) My little sensitive heart. I don't know. (laughs)
0: Because I know like Tim Ferriss, for example, he likes to preach like if you roll with the pigs in the mud, you get dirty. (laughs) And so do you respond to every single person who talks bad about you publicly or in general? It uh,
1: really hasn't happened that much, I have to tell you. There's like maybe a couple of times. So arguably I'm not out there enough. Right. But you'll see, I don't have a million people on my Facebook page. That's by design. I like being the influencer to influencers. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of a, a wizard of Oz and in a, in a kind, not manipulative way, but yeah. I really don't get bad feedback, Andrew. I don't get mean people. And I think it's because of the choices that I make and Yeah. But if, if somebody were to come at me with something that I just feel like is blatantly not true, I would take the time to personally respond to see if I can get them to truly see my intention. And the reason why I make this time investment is because I don't want to contribute to somebody else, their stockpile of evidence as to why, Humans are not trustworthy or why, you know, they are bad or why they have ego or why people manipulate and just hurt. I don't want to contribute to that evidence. I want to be the one that blows people's minds that there's actually somebody out there that's not trying to manipulate you, that genuinely wants you to be successful, that genuinely wants you to be happy and fully self-expressed and successful and choosing you and like mentoring your kids and being the example. Like I genuinely actually want that. So yeah, I'll take the time whether it's right or wrong by other people's standards.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it it props to you, Amber. And I I love what you said is, and obviously, I mean, I assume you're not on Twitter very much, right? Um, No. (laughs) (laughs) Cause yeah, I I know Twitter is just like a whole other animal of people who want their one line zingers, but I feel like, yeah, people are somewhat kinder on Instagram, Facebook, and sounds like over email newsletters. So that's a good sign too. And so I think that also speaks to that point too, of like making sure you're choosing the right channels. Like, uh, mm-hmm. like, you know, that if you go on Twitter and you grow your following, that you're just going to increase your chances of people fighting back versus platforms of like Instagram and Facebook. I feel like I would hope that they're nicer, quote unquote, but so it's good strategy in itself too.
1: <laughs> Listen, man, the people right now don't know who to trust
0: hmm. and it
1: okay. is creating massive problems on the planet, far beyond what I think anybody has even really thought of. But not knowing who to trust is, it's a real threat to humanity. And so when you don't know who to trust, you lash out. And also when you don't know how to process what you're going through, you lash out and think about what the average person has had to process just in the past two years alone loss, division in family, illness, loss of career, judgment, shaming, change at unbelievable epic rates. There's been, There's just been so much and the average person just doesn't know how to process that also because everything is so accelerated and happening so quickly, we can barely keep up with it as it is. And on top of all of that, we don't know who to trust in our lives, especially with how we're really feeling inside. So we just put on more of a facade that everything is (laughs) so good over here. (laughs) And it's such garbage. Like, so, of course, they're going to lash out and make judgments because they don't they're not pure and clear inside of themselves. That's really what this points to. So got to flush that out and keep that channel inside open and clear and, you know, in kindness. And then I think it solves a lot of these other problems that we're seeing. But yes, you can totally be careful about where you expose yourself if you need to or want to. It's up to you. Everybody's going to have a different role in this world. Some people are going to go right into the fire of it because they want to be in that environment. That's not my choice to be there, but I'm glad that there are people that are strong enough to do that, you know, try to make a change that way.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, another question I thought of too is like because you are so genuine, authentic. I love what you said. You want to show people that there are people out there who really care about you, want to see you succeed, want to see you thrive. Yeah, and obviously, and even the person who hated on you, it sounds like you still converted her to your side too. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I took a content class about the importance of of polarity. Essential, essentially, like the importance of like me versus you, and like how like goes back to you you can have you can't please everybody in life. So amber, for you who wants to something like please everybody, who isn't your audience, who isn't a right fit for you to, for people to learn from you or work with or uh, just out of curiosity to show that even yeah. Amber. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> the world, of course. I yeah.
1: I was just having this conversation yesterday with the head of a publishing agency and he is really excited about the work that we're doing and book launches. And he's like, what kind of people can I send your way? Well, who are your people? And I said, you're going to think this is a strange answer, but anybody who's kind. That's my answer. Send me the kind people. That's who I want to work with. So anybody who is not kind, Andrew, they're not my people. I don't respect that at all. I think it's immature and I think it's inappropriate and it's very unprofessional. And there's just no room in my world for that. I hold the people around me to an extremely high standard of kindness and respect. And so that's it. That's the main qualifier. It's actually pretty simple. (laughs)
0: interesting and we'll yeah we'll go back into some bit uh, yeah, business questions here in a bit and so that's uh, that's very interesting I'll I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll c- come back to that so yeah so so going back in time again we got Amber she's 20 years old she's confident she's the top sales person for Cutco she's uh, diving into her WordPress business uh, building websites so tell us more about uh, a quick little summary about your journey from Cutco to, to where you are today.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, Cutco was pretty significant because I just kept doing what they told me to do in terms of management and they taught me a lot. And by the time I was leaving Cutco, I was helping to run a division of 13 offices. I managed 32 receptionists and the entire receptionist program. I was speaking on stages of 300 people at a time very regularly running management training, teaching people how to go open up their own district offices. Like I said, just breaking national records, rewriting training programs and interviews at a regional level. It just, I don't know, it, it didn't even seem hard or stressful. The culture there is so amazing. I miss it every day. I Mm. loved that culture and the people that were there. Luckily,
0: kind of people, it sounds like.
1: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Luckily, I still have my Cutco family, I call them. So, you know, people that I grew up with back then, um, like Hal Elrod and John Rulin and John Broman and John Berghoff, a lot of Johns back then, Dan (laughs) Cassetta, you know, we live life together now. And so I've supported their businesses, they've supported mine. And it's just, it's really so special to me to have some of that carry on in my life. But yeah, in 2007, I started NGNG, as you know, as you knew. And I really, truly uh, thought that we were supposed to be a website agency. And something that was really interesting to me was how you can create human connection in a digital world and how you can save time in the sales process and get higher conversions on the back end. So this was one of the first kind of big moments in my career. It was about two years in. And I was doing these hour-long sales calls. People would come to the website. I'd book a call and we'd build rapport, get to know them a little bit. They'd start telling me about their project. And then they would ask me what my process is. So I go step-by-step step through the whole process, building a website. Then they would ask me, what's it going to cost? And then you kind of have that panic moment because you're like, who knows how they're going to react. I'm either really high or really low or somewhere in the middle and everybody is different. And it was just you know not pleasant to have that moment 45 minutes into the call and then whether it worked or didn't work you'd send your follow ups it was just very time consuming and oftentimes like i would only close about 25% of the time which is still good but i there were people coming in that were like I sell paper products for restaurants, I sell solar electric parts. And I'm like, I don't wanna do those projects, but I didn't know until too deep in the call who I was talking to Mm. and it wasn't a fit. So I thought, dang, there's gotta be another way. And that's when I decided to introduce video into my website. And this is like 2009, this was like before everybody was using video the way that they are today. So Mm -hmm. it was pretty innovative back then. And what I did was I created what I now call a door greeter video on my homepage. It was like, hey, welcome. My name's Amber. This is what we do and who we do it for and how we do it. You'll see the different you know, pages and services on my website. Click in each one. You'll get to learn all about our process step by step. And when you're ready, just click to download our pricing menu. And if all of that looks good, I'm happy to book a call with you. So they would go to the website page and watch another video. Where I'm like, here's this first step, second step, third step, what we're going to need, what the timeline is, blah, blah, blah. When you're done, download our pricing menu, which is how I captured their email address, by the way, so I could follow up with them. Smart. <laughs> this pricing menu was gorgeous. I mean, it was packed. There were testimonials on every single page, examples, storytelling. Like I went all out on this pricing menu. And you can go to ngngenterprises.com right now and download our pricing menu to just see what it looks like. And I don't even care if you unsubscribe right after that, but take a look at it. It's gorgeous. It's 20 pages, Andrew. And it gives full transparency on our pricing, our payment plan options, and people thought must have thought I was crazy, right? Because, but your competitors are going to know your process and your pricing. And I'm like, I don't care. Because even if they copy me to a T, they can't offer what I offer. So I literally don't care if they rip it off. Like, who cares? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But what? here's what happened. So people go to the homepage and watch the video. Minutes spent building connection, getting to know me. It's my smile. I'm leaning in. I'm talking to one person. They go to the services page, more minutes with me. They download the pricing menu and they're so grateful that I'm just giving them what they want upfront and not trapping them into a conversation. So then only after they do all of that, do they get access to book a call with me. I don't have a book, a call on the front page of my website. My phone number is nowhere. You can only go through this process to get to me, right? Then what happened is I started only having 30 minute calls instead of 60 minute calls. So really constraining that. But if they already knew the process and the pricing and everything else at this point, we just needed to have a conversation and get to know each other, which is the fun part anyway, right? And so what happened is people would come in saying, Amber, I feel like I already know you. I've watched your videos. Okay. I know I want a website with a 40 hours. I want to do it this way, but I just have two questions before we move forward. And I'm like, we're eight minutes into the call. I'm just meeting you for the first time. And I already made the sale. My my conversion went from 25% to 70% in half the time. And I doubled my rates and it still worked. And it's just, Anyway, I could then I went into changing my marketing and got really smart about my marketing so that when you kind of look at company history, I got smarter. I gave people what they wanted. I was transparent, more minutes in connection through use of video. And then I got to free up so much time, which I then spent building out my team and leadership and training and development and focusing on culture, which helped us grow and grow and grow and we're still growing like crazy so it's cool
0: wow that's incredible so it sounds like that was the the biggest biggest change positive change for your business is saying i gotta change my sales process from like figuring out how to connect with people without having to get on a call with them essentially
1: there's gotta be a better way that was it (laughs) That phrase keeps recurring in my life. Like I look around, what's causing you irritation? What are you frustrated by? Oh, I'm frustrated by how packed my schedule is, right? Okay, there's gotta be a better way innovate, use your brain for a minute. What's going on? Where are you spending time that could be automated some way in a way that people don't feel like it's automated? Because mm-hmm. I'm I'm not all about the way people strip out human connection and make you feel like a herd of mooing cows going through a funnel. I am very against that feeling that there are people out in the world that give that feeling to their prospects, not me you feel like I'm talking directly to you, the way I'm serving, the way that I have touch points. I'm going deeper with my content. I'm showing you who I am. I'm genuinely wanting to make connection. I want you to reply to my newsletter emails. And people are like, oh my gosh, how do you have the time for it all? Because people respect your boundaries. Like they it just sort of naturally happens because they so appreciate the way that you're showing up for them. They want to see you succeed. So they don't tend to overstep. They set you up for success. It's like this mutual respect relationship when you do it that way. Uh, so it's kind of surprising how you just magically have time for everything.
0: Yeah. And I will say that is something I'm glad I learned early on is that, you know, maybe it's true for different people, but like I think people assume that everyone's being bombarded by everyone every minute of every day especially as you get to c-list b-list a-list essentially but you know in my own experience you know when i've reached out to quote unquote b-listers and a-listers like through linkedin messages through email they respond and i'm like what <laughs> that, that's cool and so I, well a it goes back to you miss 100 of the shots you don't take and b that yeah if you're listening i do want to encourage you that if there's someone you want to connect with like it doesn't hurt to, to reach out and because mm-hmm. uh you, you'd be surprised that you know, even for people who get hundreds of uh, emails and messages a day, like there's a good chance they at least attempt to respond to them or, or want to get back to them. And so has there been ever been a time when you felt like overwhelmed with too many people reaching out at once, or you just kind of know that people, uh, when they reach out, you're going to respond to them?
1: It would be easy for me to focus on that overwhelm right now. I mean for sure, it would be easy for me to focus that. I choose not to focus on that. And I choose to have rules around communication that set me up for success in the relationship. So as a business owner, you have to be clear in your mind what you want to protect and what you can let go of. I want to protect certain types of communication that come in. And I want to be able to respond to, to each person personally under those certain circumstances. But if somebody is just coming in asking a more general question, then it's okay for them to maybe talk to a high level team member instead of me, right? Because then it's still like, wow, look, I got to talk to somebody at the top. It doesn't always have to be you. So be careful of that. your own guilt getting in the way. The other thing is like my executive assistant Sierra and I, we have pages of rules around my calendar and email um, documentation around it. And so I let her set me up for success. And then I take it home from there in most cases, unless it's like a basic scheduling or something. But I'll give you a quick example. I am back to back on calls all day long. Back, 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 back. Because that's where I love to be. That's where my company wants me to be. That's in the highest and best use of my time and energy is being in that seat. And I'm aware mm-hmm. of that, right? So I love it. Well, at the end of that day, when I finally get off of calls, I have got a zillion messages. My chat from my company, to team needs me review this. I have a question about that. We need a meeting about this, da, 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 da. That's just internally. Then I go externally to my email And Sierra knows how to structure my inbox so that I'm not overwhelmed looking at it. We have these like different buckets that she puts different communication into. And I know myself, so I know right after I get out of a long day of calls, keep that momentum alive, tackle the most important emails first. And then as I lose energy through the rest of the afternoon, I'll go into the next bucket, the next bucket, the next bucket. Another thing that she does is she will draft replies for me and call follow-ups for me. So I'll get in and there's the whole email written. And then I just get to go and tweak a couple of things, add in a personal line, send it out. So it looks like I've written the whole thing, but she gets me 80, 90, sometimes 100% of the way there. And I just get to click send. Little things like this. It is an incredibly good use of company budget and cash flow to pay Sierra to set me up for success in those ways. Because every hour that she saves me is me being able to generate many, many thousands of dollars for the company that employs as many people as we have, right? So the whole company is then on board to like, how else can we save Amber's time? (laughs) And when everybody starts thinking that way, it's a little weird being the one that everybody's trying to protect. But, you know, everybody knows like this is how we all win. And then it becomes a group effort. So these are just some things that you can, as the listeners, you guys can try to implement some of this on your own. And as you grow, you'll just have to have new rules around it, but you still can maintain personal connection and hold that important information up here about relationships because relationships are what builds the bridge to everywhere you want to go in life.
0: Wow. And you do well, you do calls every day and just like six hours a day, eight hours a day. Like what's your call schedule?
1: Usually between eight and eight thirty until well. <laughs> It's supposed to be until two, but then, you know, I might have some team calls or somebody needed to slip in something. And then you've got to have your personal calls. Like yesterday, I felt like I was on the phone for 10 hours straight. So then I've learned how to hold that amount of energy and how to strengthen my body to where I don't crash and I'm not miserable. And I'm actually more introverted by nature. So you would think I'd just be in a ball crying mess at the end of every day. But no, because I have learned, especially on Zoom, well before most of the rest of the world had to learn how to keep up their energy levels on Zoom, I know how to do that now. And I protect my body. I protect my mind. I have rituals around maximizing my self care so that I can maximize my performance every single day. Cause that I, I love it. It brings me so much joy and energy to see what I'm capable of and to help as many people as I get to help and grow the business that I'm growing. Like it's tons of fun.
0: <laughs> no, yeah. I love that. And being able to have fun with your business. Like that's, that's the most important thing uh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So Thank you again for sharing, uh, you know, the importance of getting an executive assistant, how you use the executive assistant, how to go about that. And obviously that's its own podcast in itself of like delegation and automation and stuff like that. And I'm curious, you know, if you were to look back on it, you know, what does it take to go from six figures to seven figures? And when does that executive assistant get involved in the entrepreneur process?
1: For me, I had actually plateaued uh, for three years around the 700,000 mark. And it was frustrating because I knew I was mis- like I was missing something, and I was as efficient as I could possibly get by myself. And my team was humming along, but I kept plateauing. And the game changer for me was hiring a COO, so mm-hmm. a chief um, operating officer. And Susan came into my life as, in a fractional role, so she was working you know ten hours a week. Susan changed my life in so many ways because she started to help me manage the team, which was so massive. I can't even tell you up to that point. I was managing the team and the clients and the payroll and the, this and the, that, but Susan just helping me with the team and identifying, you know, how they're doing, how they're developing, where do we need to insert some more support game changer, man. Oh my gosh. I, I thank her all the time. I beg her to never leave me. (laughs) She is amazing. I love her. And when that happened, I was able to be freed up to look for, you know, where else did we need support? And then I hired a creative director, which was a massive salary. It was one of the scariest decisions that I've ever had to make. It was like double what I was paying anybody else. For one role, but that one role lifted me out of the website division so that I could build the book launch division mm. and then hiring somebody to run the book launch division is now freeing me out of that division to just focus in on CEO and allowing the company then. And so now these directors are training their leadership and then they are training the account managers who are managing, you know, the other contractors on the team. So now there's this leadership support network. I'm not even going to call it a hierarchy. It's a support network that it's just having help, right? In higher level roles. And it, it's scary. It takes a long time. It's hard, but Okay. So anything rewarding in life is all of that. So I would say those are some things that got me over the hump.
0: Wow. That's, that's huge. And was it a very intense process for you to be able to choose the right people and hire the right people? Or you just kind of used recommendations? Like how did you know who to hire and how to go about that?
1: Well, I've always been really good at hiring and I think it's because I know people and I'm like a no BS person. I can just see right through people when they're not being like totally honest with me and where like you're patting yourself, right? That happens in job interviews, like I'm the best person in the world. I can just kind of see through some of that and get down to the like the core of who people really are. And so that really speeds up the hiring process. But another thing that I'll do is my job descriptions. My job descriptions are like two or three times as long as I feel like most people's are. And I'm very specific about what I'm looking for, the type of attitude, the type of behaviors, you know, all of that, that I'm so specific on what I'm looking for that honestly, sometimes I write a job description. I'm like, this person doesn't exist. There's no way. (laughs) But when you get that clear on what you want and you put that out there, those people flock in and they're like, I could be that person for you. So I really will only interview like one or two people and make my match and move forward. It's very simple. And sometimes like I think of Bridget and Jen is such a, a fun story. I was in a restaurant and they were serving me. Each had served me at different times. Lockdown was coming. This was about a year ago. And when lockdown was coming, I said, what are you guys doing for work? And they're like, oh my God, I don't really know. And I said, I'll hire you both full time right now. And I did. And they still work for me full time today. And it's the best. I love Bridget and Jen. Servers are awesome. They have so many of like the right skills and mindset and that driven nature. Like I love working with service providers. So you just kind of start to know what you're looking for. And then you just have a really transparent conversation. You hold high expectations. There's accountability on the other end. And also I think people want to please me so much because they see that they like really want, they believe in my vision. They believe in who I am as their leader. They know I'm trying to do good in the world. So they want to do whatever they can to make sure that we're all rowing in the right direction, because then it's very fulfilling for them and their lives to be a part of something like that too. So culture plays into it as well.
0: Oh my gosh. This, I hope people are listening in. This is definitely a masterclass on, <laughs> on so many topics and. that. Uh... It's good to see how much you've learned and you're like, yep, here's the answer. Here you go. If you want it to (laughs) make it easier for you. So thank you again for sharing all this. So going back to here Amber is sitting at 700K a year, which that's still amazing. Oh my gosh. You know, something I've learned is Jim Rohn says that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So obviously... You had to spend time with the right people to even get to that 700 figure or not figure, but 700,000 year in the first place, then and, and even want to have that ambition to even get over that seven figure mark. So can you explain more about you know, how you go about surrounding yourself with the right people and uh, cultivating those networks and relationships to get where you want to go faster?
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question because there's definitely an area of this that feels a little magical you know, like a little lucky in some ways. But when I give myself a little bit of credit and I go back, I think that I am a person that, If we are engaging in something, like I'm going to just be all in with it. Okay. Jumping in with both feet. I lean into that and I'm really like connecting with you and I'm, I'm pouring into you. I'm, I'm so supremely present in this moment. Right. So on the other side of an experience like that, people are like, I don't have experiences like that hardly ever. And so I just, you know, the next time that I hear somebody saying, I need a website, I'm like, Oh, you got to work with Amber. You got to work with NGNG, you know? And so over the years, word of mouth has just sort of done that magical part and has brought just incredible high quality people into me. So I guess that's it is just over time, cooler, neater, more intellectual, conscious people, kind people just started coming in through the natural, you know, word of mouth process. And I think also, again, just being transparent and putting the right content out there attracts a certain caliber of person in. And then we just feel like, oh, I didn't know that people like you existed. How fun is this? You know, but yeah. you know more people like you and I know more people like me. And then all of a sudden we just keep kind of navigating naturally toward our tribe, I guess.
0: I love that. So, so you're saying like, it goes back to like know who you are and who you want to be. And then from there, should be decently easy to, to connect I with the people so. who are who are like you essentially
1: yeah back when I was a, a teenager when I was 16 I had a what I always called as my rock bottom moment and it was this night that I got jumped by six girls. Five girls. I don't know why I said six, five girls. And it was a really crazy story. Like it's a long one. So it's that we don't need to go into it necessarily. It's not a big deal. I've talked about it, you know, publicly before, but it was just kids being jerks, right? And that happens. So I was just the person that was the target that night. But why I share this story isn't because, oh, woe is me and I'm really upset about it. There were so many gifts in that. But one of the things that came out of it is that night I looked up at the stars and I will never forget that moment because I just thought, is this my life? Like, is this the way it's going to be? And at that moment, I was just so alone in the world. I just felt like my personal light was dimming and going out. And this was before I then turned everything around and graduated with honors and most improved student and entrepreneur of the year and whatever, right? All the things. But in that moment, I didn't feel that way. This was at the bottom. This was part of that hero's journey. And in that moment, I thought, oh my God, I don't want this to be my story. I don't want to be alone. Like I don't want to be depressed and I don't want to not have friends or not be understood. Like this does not feel good to me. So then the next most logical thing that comes in is like, well, who would I be proud to be? And when you really start thinking about who you would be proud to be, then you just make little incremental decisions day by day to get you there. So for example, when the alarm goes off in the morning, Would I be proud to be a person that hits the snooze button and goes back to bed and then I'm late and then I'm rushed and then it sets the tone for the rest of my day? Or would I be more proud to be a person that wakes up early and has time to have thinking time and self-care time and take care of my body and my mind and my heart and process so that I can be the absolute best that I can be not only for myself, but everybody else around me all day long? Who would I be proud to be? Would I be proud to be the person that goes in for office hours and asks my teacher to help me pull up that D paper and and turn it into a B? Or would I be proud to be the person that sulks and collects evidence for how shitty the world is and how hard everything is? And of course, this would happen to me, right? Mm -hmm. Everything is a choice. So deciding who would you be proud to be in this world? Man. Watch out when you start thinking that way. Some really interesting things will unfold after that.
0: (laughs) I love that. I love that. Uh, Amber started the inspiration behind the proud family. Is is that? uh... (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Love it. Well, I know we're coming up on time here, I have a couple minutes left, and obviously I can tell that you know we could listen to your, your wisdom and insights all day and just talk for hours and hours and I can see why you've been able to build all these uh, seminars and workshops and training manuals and companies and this is just so exciting to hear. Thank you A, a few questions left is I'm curious if, if you had to replace yourself, how would you go about it?
1: Um, Well, can I innovate on the spot here? Could I record a bunch of videos? <laughs>
0: Yeah, of course.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking about that this morning, actually, um, because I'm in a position now where it's like the next level of needing to free up my schedule, and it's always kind of like a little sad when that happens because slowly, methodically, I've gotten away from doing certain things in the company that I love doing, like when I hired in the creative director. Oh, it was awesome to have that support. And I was like, but I love working with the designers and I love designing branding. Wow, now I can't do that anymore because I'm going to go over here and do this other thing. But the next evolution is I need more and more people to help me take sales calls. Uh, That hurts my heart a little bit because like, I love that part, not because of the sale or the money, but because of the connection. Mm I love having somebody come in where they're like, I've had this bad experience and this company was unreliable. And now I have lost my faith in humanity. And I'm like, oh, just wait till <laughs> you get to experience us because I'm going to turn all of that around. I'm going to give you everything that you need and more. And you're going to be so happy at the end of working together. It's the best. And so, like, ah, uh, to let go of that is going to be like sad. But I know it's kind of that next evolution. So, all to say I was thinking how on earth am I going to replace myself in sales because what we do it in GNG is so custom there's nothing cookie cutter no two projects are ever the same it's just pouring into you and what you need to build your business based on time budget your team your goals etc so the thought that came in is I just need to go next level with what I already knew worked before, right. With the videos. And so what I think I'm going to do, and this hasn't been done yet. So you're witnessing this real time, but I think Mm. what I'm going to do is create a video for the different types of clients that come in. So one client would be somebody who says, I'm launching a book soon and I want to learn more about what you have to offer. Well, the challenge is, is that these discovery calls are so custom and I'm pouring into them saying like, here's your strategy. It's a gift. And if you want to work together, it's more of the same. So it's been very effective. But I think what I'll do is create a video that walks people through five different case studies, very different client journeys. Like, here's what we did for this person and the model we built for them. This is what's different about this person, this person, this person. Because then I'm thinking, Andrew, that somebody's gonna be able to watch that and identify with at least one of those characters and look at the model I built for them and say, well, that model could actually work perfectly for me. Okay, I'm in, I'll take the next step. And as long as somebody watches that video before entering into a conversation with really anybody, the person doing that conversation just needs to answer any questions. Well, that's the easy part. The hard part was the strategy. So I think I'm innovating. I can replace myself through video, which was always the answer more than a decade ago. And if it were internal, uh, same thing. Like if, if I needed to step out of driving the culture so much, then how could I use video to effectively do that or use video to train other people on the why behind what I do? And this is a huge tip. So write it down if you're listening. A lot of people will document, here's what I want to see done, what it is step by step. But you're missing why those points matter. So for example, in an email, anytime you call out my name, I want you to highlight it in pink. And so, but the person is got, has to know psychologically, why did you choose pink versus orange? And so if I then took the next step and said, I want you to highlight my name in pink, because it stands out on the page and it it triggers me faster than Mm -hmm. any other color. So I'll pay attention better to it. And it'll be a faster lift for me to then respond to that email. When you help people understand why something that they're doing matters, they then you've developed their thought leadership. They can take ownership of it and move forward with confidence. If you don't tell them the why, then you're opening yourself up to human error. So you replace yourself through probably video, which is what I'm exploring more and more, but also definitely documenting why you do things the way you do things. And that will help tremendously.
0: You put a lot of thought into this, haven't you?
1: (laughs) <laughs> well, 10 years to become an overnight success, Andrew. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's all it takes. That's all it takes. I love yeah. it. Well, as we uh close up here, we have a couple questions left. Let's say someone, you know, they were busy uh watching their kids or walking the dog and they're distracted and they wanted to listen to the background, but they like they they were kind of in and out if someone happened to ignore this whole interview, what is the one takeaway you want them to have when it comes to financial and uh, alignment freedom of, um, yeah, financial freedom to work with your dream clients is the question.
1: Um, God, it would be a shame if you didn't listen to this whole thing. So <laughs> I, go agree. Back and I agree. I can just listen to the whole thing. Uh, I, agree. <laughs> <but Yeah. laughs> I would say the, the highlights that really stood out for me, Andrew, were be someone that you are proud to be because I think that... Oftentimes it's just so easy to let victimhood, you know, drive the car. And victimhood even like in a relationship with your spouse, where it's like, well, I'm doing everything over here and he's not doing anything, right? You're a victim in that moment, right? Anytime that you're sour about something, you're being a victim, whether you want to admit that or not. And there have been plenty of times that I have not wanted to admit that I was being a victim. So like I say that with love and compassion, friend. But if you're being a victim, then you're not being somebody that you would be proud to be in that moment. So perhaps in that moment with your spouse, it's like, you know, I feel bitterness. I feel grief. I feel resentment. I don't know how we got here. I love this person. So I'm just going to tell them how I really feel. Hey, honey, I just have felt lately like I'm doing everything and you're not doing anything. And then I realize like, that's me being a victim. And I don't want to do that with us because I care too much about us. This is a trigger. This is what I want. What do you want? Let's have an open and honest conversation. Let's just be honest with how we feel. And then what can we do to set each other up for success to circumvent those triggers or to help each other in those times of needs? Now that's somebody that I would be proud to be versus the victim that's like holding resentment and setting my partner up for failure just so I can collect evidence that he really is a jerk or she is a jerk or whatever, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is our humanity coming in. And I think it's going to require awareness to step in and say, wait, pause. Who would I be proud to be in this moment? Ah, now I know what I need to do. I would just invite people to experiment with that Personally and professionally, and again, it's gonna—you're gonna see the results of that happening so quickly. It's gonna blow your freaking mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that, and uh, it also reminds me of uh, Extreme Ownership by uh, Jocko Willenick. Yeah. You read that book, and just like yeah, the, the empowerment that happens when you yeah. take take uh, responsibility for everything. And so I, I love that about being proud. Don't be a victim, and yeah, everything will unfold for you after that. All right. Well, Amber, once again, this has been so incredible and amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. And yeah, if you're listening in, you definitely need to uh, see this whole interview because she dropped so many knowledge bombs like (laughs) everywhere all the time. How can people find you and connect with you if they want to learn more from you?
1: I mean, just... Use the search wherever you like to be and you will find me there. So uh You can go to amberv.com if you are traveling and you have no clue how to spell Vilhauer like everybody else on the planet. Amberv.com. Um Instagram is where I'm choosing to spend most of my time this year. So um you can definitely connect with me there and anytime that you want to share hey man, this piece of the interview really just meant so much to me. I love hearing that because I'm here for you right now. This is not about me. Uh, This is actually about you and me making a conscious choice to spend time pouring into Andrew's audience. So thank you for supporting his show Thank you for supporting me, but ultimately we're both here for you. So we hope that you got a lot out of it and feel free to let us know what worked for you so that Andrew can carry that forward in his show and give you more of that.
0: <laughs> Woo! Thank you. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Well, that that concludes uh, this last episode of how to make seven figures. or working with dream clients. And uh, that was uh, the wonderful wisdom of Amber. And so with that said, we'll see you all in the next episode and uh, make sure to put this episode on repeat. So see you everyone. That concludes another episode of Rapid Results. Remember to leave a review about something you learned so others can share the knowledge. Keep being unstoppable in your pursuit of the lifestyle freedom you desire. And we'll see you next week.